Welcome back. It's 1973, a New York Knicks podcast. My name is Alan Feller. And, well, you saw it. You were there the same way I was. You saw how the Knicks handled the draft and what they did and what they didn't do. And the Leon Rose era has certainly uh, begun in, I'm not going to say exciting fashion, but in definitely um, unusual fashion for the Knicks because, you know, they did certain things that previous Nick regimes would have shied away from. And I think the choices they made overall were decent. Now, now we'll have a lot to cover today, but the main thing is, you know, we, we changed some of the uh, dynamics of the team with, with their selections. And to start off with, I mean, the main core uh, pick that we can turn to and look at is the number eight pick, and that was Obi Toppin. The Knicks have tremendous amount of uh, lack of, of shooting and scoring as far as you know, efficiency. Our three-point shooting is, is some of the worst in the entire NBA. So I think the draft really had to address that issue. Now, I think most Knicks fans are consumed with finding the right point guard. And Nick history is just you know, is so littered with failed point guard choices, poor point, point guard choices, and the ghosts of, you know, old-time Walt Clyde Frazier highlights. We don't, you know, the Knicks have not had a tradition of good point guard play for so long. I think there's a real thirst and desire to find that perfect point guard. Now, the draft last night may not have had that person. I mean, a John Moran is not in this draft, as far as we can tell. There were some very decent-looking point guards based on the highlights, but considering that the, you know, that COVID has you know, shortened all the different college seasons and even some of the other pro leagues around the world, so I think you're not getting a really great um, representation of, of you know, the potential point guard play that we had in, in, a, t- in a typical normal uh, college or you know, foreign season. You know, we, we never saw that. So what the Knicks were working on was incomplete data, data, videos. You know, you're limited to who you can have interviewed and and look at the Knicks. I think you're allowed 10 total. So at this point, based on what you saw, I mean, Obi Toppin is a player that, you know, the Knicks really could use. And I know he's 22 years old. And I think this, this comes down to a very fundamental flaw that, you know, met a lot of people looking at, at talent. You know, if you see a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old that may have some deficiencies but you feel it has more room to grow, it's, you know, it's certainly more attractive than someone who's 22 and you feel like you've lost, you know, two or three years out of their career and maybe their ceiling is, is e- more easily understood than another player. But with Obi Toppin, you have a player who you... You know, as far as we know, can can shoot the ball. He's got good three percentages. Um, you know, his interior game is certainly, you know, real. He can he can handle anything inside. He can slam. He can move. He can post up. So he's going to bring some excitement. You know, as far as offensively to the Garden. Now defensively, there's question marks. Can he? You know, can he guard an NBA player? 
you know, can he play good team defense? Obviously, he took Dayton, you know, places that they weren't expecting. And his growth from high school to college, I think he started off as a 6'2 player, ended up where he currently is as a power forward height. So, you know, there's... And plus the fact he's a New York, he's a New York guy, he's from Ossining, he's a local guy who, you know, the emotion that you saw when he was picked, you know, is real and tangible, and he's a hard worker from everything we understand. And the Knicks getting Obi Toppin at eight, not having to trade up to get him, you know, I think, I think that's perfectly fine. And I think the other alternatives who were in that spot, whether it's uh, Halliburton, or Vassell, you know, I mean, certainly have their own question marks. I think with Halliburton, you look at his shooting form and you're saying, well, can that translate into the NBA? And I think most of us have, you know, saw highlights of Halliburton. I think, you know, solid player. But is there anything that, you know, that you're really upset that you missed? And Vassell, too, with his, you know, the talent level that he's shown. It's, you know, this is a draft of uncertainty. And I think the Knicks really are you know, no worse or no better off than any other team that's making these selections with imperfect data, imperfect information. You're getting senses of how these players, you know, play in a, in a college level with a very small sample size. But Obi Toppin, you know, has real definitive offensive skills. And I think the Knicks certainly need that. And he can shoot the ball. And there's, you know, there's a player out there who you know you can get and can put points on the board, which is something the Knicks you know, have trouble doing. Because when you look at the roster as presently constituted, whether it's Frank or, or Jay Barrett or a variety of power forwards who, you know, not, are not exactly inspiring confidence, you know, and Mitch, of course, we love, but, you know, the, the offensive capabilities of the current Knicks roster, you know, prior to last night, you know, not great. Not a great group. Not a great group to give you real solid offense. And I think what the Knicks did last night was bring in players who can score and who can shoot. Imagine that, a Knicks team that actually may have added solid shooting. But we'll get to that later. But I think the main thing is at, at eight, you know, the Knicks were you know, not going to reach and try to get a LaMelo ball. And some of the other players in the, toward the top, were, you know, were not players that you were really super excited about. This is not a Zion draft. This is not a John Morant draft. You know, you're not getting that level of player. The players that, that are basically filtered throughout the entire draft you know, left a lot to be desired. Now, we'll see who emerges out of this group and does become um, something special. We have no idea. The Knicks have been terrible at drafting. I mean, over the last 34 years, outside of an, a Mark Jackson or a Rod Strickland or a couple other players who really reached some more of their potential outside of the Knicks organization than inside, you know, we're terrible at this. The Knicks have been horrible at drafting. And it's not owner-centric. It's not just Dolan. The Dolan era has been, as we know, has been incredibly painful. But even during, you know, the Paramount years, we didn't draft particularly well. And even before that, the Knicks draft history, most of, our, most of our adult lives and even growing up, I mean, it has been pretty lousy. So, yeah, sometimes you just, you know, it, it just doesn't work out. And a lot of draft picks don't work out. So the Knicks this year, and you can see where their focus was. You know, they 
they're looking for a player who can shoot. And Obi Toppin can do that. He can shoot the ball. And he can score. And he has a good work ethic. And I think with you know, with, with Tibbs, with, you know, with Tom Thibodeau as your coach, part of your draft strategy is to bring players in who have a strong work ethic and an ability to learn and get better. Because Tibbs is going to He's going to give it to them. He's going to work their butts off. He's going to make them be on that floor as long as humanly possible, which, you know, who knows, may work to their detriment too, uh, as, his, as his coaching career in, in Chicago and Minnesota, you know, bore out. But, you know, you have two players who certainly have a good work ethic and who can spread the floor. And I think the Knicks, you know, the last year showed you and showed me was – you know, when you clog the middle and you have five guys who can't get out of their own way, and that's true about their, you know, their their whole team was a team that was stuck between ten and twelve feet from the basket and interior, and our our shooting was abysmal. And if you're relying on, <laughs> if you're relying on R.J. Barrett to be your your shooter, that's a problem, and he has to improve that, and. You know, the rest of the team is not a good shooting team. So this draft has to address that. I mean, the point guard situation, I think, is going to be a little more complicated. I think what what it looks like is that the Knicks are going to reach out into free agency or possible trades to bring in a professional point guard to run the team, which, you know, it's as a Knicks fan, it's hard to get excited either way because – you would love to get that talented 19, 18, 20-year-old point guard who has the court vision, who has that passing, innate, innate passing ability, you know, that, that real excitement that you've been craving for so long. And the Knicks never seem to get there. And they may, they may sign Fred Van Vliet or they may pick up a DJ Augustine. They may look at other trade options. So... Our point guard situation will probably be filled by something in that in that ilk, and not, you know, the real sexy draft pick that gives you gives you that. But when instead the Knicks looked at their options, and and we'll go through what they did. So one of the things that you know when they when they started off the night, the Knicks had made a trade with uh, with the Utah Jazz to basically. Uh, get down to the 23rd pick from the 27th pick because the Knicks started off the night with the number 8 pick, the number 27 pick, and the number 38 pick in the second round. And so they traded that to the Utah Jazz, getting the 23rd pick, which, you know, in this type of draft, you know, most of us considered it, well, okay, maybe we're trying to pick a certain player up that we feel may not get, may not be there at 27. But what we ended up doing is we ended up picking... Um, you know, a European player at number 23, then trading him to Minnesota. I guess he's going to be a uh, draft and stash combo because he's, I guess he signed a either a year or two-year deal with his current team in Spain as far as yeah, from what the information showed. And then um, what they ended up doing is then getting back you know, 20, 25 and 33. So, and this is where if you're watching the Knicks and you say, wow, look at that. What a professional organization. We're able to take a 27th, 
draft pick and 38th draft pick and turn that into a 25 and 33. Kind of cool as far as that goes. But, you know, to me, that, you know, trading numbers and getting and getting into a better position only makes sense if you make good picks and you take players who are only available during that stretch and wouldn't be available later. Now, the Knicks' second pick, after Obi Toppin, um, is Emmanuel Quickly. Now, Emmanuel Quickly, out of Kentucky, you know, the issue for all Knicks fans is that you know, our front office staff, of course, has the you know, direct relationship, having coached uh, Emmanuel Quickly. So you're getting into that same mindset as, well, this is who they know and this is who they're comfortable with, and they're not thinking outside the box. They're not looking at the whole uh, talent that's arrayed you know, throughout this draft and just focus on a player that you have a direct connection with. That being said, Emmanuel Quickly is an incredible shooter. And he has, and he has a skill that, you know, for Nick fans is is pretty awesome. And the fact is that this player knows how to get open. So not only can he shoot, and he can shoot the ball extremely well, and was one of the best players, of course, on in Kentucky. He was a conference player of the year. But he, and if you watch enough film and video of of Emmanuel quickly see that he knows how to get open. He's in great position to shoot, and he's usually open. He's usually not surrounded by a defender. And you can say, well, that's the college level, it's not the pro level. The ability to get open and move your body and get your body into a good position is, is half the battle. And as we saw with Kevin Knox and certain players the Knicks have drafted over many years, you know, body control and court IQ is, is, in, is so important. And that differentiates, you know, a star player from everyone else. So quickly can definitely do that. And defensively, you know, quickly is a player who knows how to get around screens and move past um, all types of blocking and positioning. He's got incredible body control. And if you watch enough video, you can see how he slithers in and around picks and gets into a position to put his body between the offensive player and the basket. And if you do that enough times and you, and you get better and better at that, that's a great skill. And defense is another thing that the Knicks are lacking, especially on the perimeter. And if you watch how he plays his perimeter defense, this is a player who is certainly talented. And we know his work ethic has been touted by, by many people. He's a guy who will be in the gym constantly working. And I think with, with Dibodeau, I think that's a player that they probably all agreed on. Now, of course, his handle and his, um, his skill set is not necessarily suited for a point guard role. He's not going to be your primary ball handler. He's not that kind of player. He's a player who can get open and hit shots, which is what they need. So if you're expecting him to be a ball handler, he's not. Now, will R.J. Barrett be your primary ball handler as he started to show a little bit last year? Probably. If they don't get a professional point guard, which I still think they will get, I think you're going to see a, a real point guard on the Knicks. Now, the fear, of course, from every Knicks fan is that you're going to make a splash and get a Russell Westbrook. Now, for Knicks fans, that's, that's a scenario that we're not keen on because, of course, then you're changing the feeling in the, in the locker room from, an, from a young 
use those two picks to pick up really strong shooting, real offensive talent. And in the case of Emmanuel Quickly, who also has real defensive chops. Now, Obi Toppin will be able to passable team defense. You know, again, that remains to be with his defensive skills have to be improved if he's going to be a really good NBA player. But as far as offensively, yeah, I think you're going to be excited as far as that goes. Now, what the Knicks did um, for their 33rd pick was a little unusual, but we can go into that too. Uh, Daniel Arturo, who is a uh, center who is, I guess, averaging 20, 20 10, and two blocks, um, you know, that was. But he ended up getting traded to Clippers, which I think are actually holding the. ended up doing is getting, I believe, a 2023 second-round pick for our second-round pick last night, which, you know, to who are not familiar with all the new uh, drafting rules that are going to take place over the next several years, very unusual. So you take, you're giving up a pick now that you have for something that's three years removed, also in a second round? Like, what's the value of it? What's the, what's the plus? Now, if you're doing further research, you know, as a Nick, you realize okay, that's supposedly the year of the double draft, where we're going to have both high school and college players being drafted and being allowed to draft, as opposed to the rules the way they are now, where someone has to have at least, you know, one year out of high school before you can draft them. So it, it should open up some of the talent pool, and that gives um, more value to a second-round pick especially for Detroit, if Detroit continues on their trajectory of being pretty lousy. So it still will be a decent pick with more talent options available. And still low stakes. And this is, this is what happens when, when we talk about Knicks drafts. The stuff that we analyze, the stuff we get hung up on, usually doesn't mean shit. Because really, what we're talking about is, you know, the second round picks. And for every Mitch... For every Mitchell Robinson that we pluck out of obscurity, you know, we're, you know, most of our, you know, later picks, whether even later in the first round or second round picks, you know, never do anything. And that's the thing you have to understand about this. Your, your number one pick, of course, is Obi Toppin. So that's what you're relying on. If you get someone quickly beyond a role player position, I mean, then you're, you've made it like a bandit. And most of the players in this draft are going to be in that role. They're not going to, these are not your elite players from what you're seeing. Now, will they develop into it? Who knows? I mean, that's, you know, we'll see. We don't know much about this, this class of players. But now the other side of it is, you know, what did we miss? You know, there, there were a lot of point guards in this draft. And there were, you know, whether, whether the player from San Diego State or whether it's, you know, Halliburton, or whether it's you know, Kira Lewis, or whether it's, there's, there's a, and LaMelo Ball even. It's, you know, there, there's a sense that the Knicks in this draft had an opportunity to find a point guard. And you say, well, what's so important about a point guard? Well, 
in, you know, when you haven't had a really viable point guard for so long, the Nick offense and the Nick defense is always at a disadvantage because the players bringing up the ball, the players who are in control of the offense, um, when you can't rely on them, if you have you know, a Frank Milikina or if you have a Dennis Smith Jr. running your, running your offense, you have players who are not only inefficient offensively or whose handle is suspect or whose decision-making is suspect or whose, who are tentative or overly aggressive. It, it basically unhinges your entire offense, and you really can't get that back because if you have no balance... Then, and if you're just relying on you know, random playmakers coming through with shots, and if you're relying on a Marcus Morris to be your offensive leader, or if you're relying on you know, any other player on the team with a Bobby Portis to make your shots or to handle the ball, I mean, then you're going to lose way more games than you win. And I think, as a Knicks fan, you're looking to have some stability with, with your floor general because, you know, we just don't have it. And I think that sets a tone offensively and defensively because if you have a solid point guard who can apply defensive pressure to the other teams, because the other teams are always going to have better point guards. So, and that'll affect you both offensively and defensively. So the Knicks haven't made that a priority. And who knows, maybe last night there wasn't a point guard that fits that bill. But you feel like the Knicks don't even try. The Knicks don't even make the attempt to pick out a really viable point guard. I mean, you, I mean when you pick Frank Nilakina as your draft pick, you're picking someone who is such a project and who is such an unknown quantity that you, know, you never feel comfortable with how the Knicks' decision-making goes. I mean, Obi Toppin, I, mean, I just like him because of, when you watch him play and you see the excitement and the joy that he brings... It's, you know, it's a change. It's something that, you know, it, and you could say he has shades of Amari or Larry Johnson. And that's, you know, as a Nick fan, you know, to have a, a Larry Johnson type of player, you know, at the beginning as opposed to the end of his career. And I think we had that with Amari too. I think we're so snake bitten with, with getting players at the end of their careers or when they're injury prone that, you know, it's very hard for us to see when, when you have someone special like, like this. And I think Obi Toppin is special. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to bring a real level of excitement to the team. But now we get to, you know, phase two of this. Now the the draft, you know, showed some of the dexterity of the of the front office in terms of getting into decent positions. You know, they didn't necessarily get all the players they wanted. I think the Knicks did want Obi Toppin. I really believe that. I don't think they were impressed with any of the point guard players. So, and as far as the the 25th pick with uh, Emmanuel Quickly, I think, you know, my guess is, you know, they had him targeted somewhere in that range anyway. And I think because of the familiarity and the comfort that they already had being with the Kentucky connection, I think that's, that's part of what happened. And he may turn out to be a very solid role player as it is. But now comes the fun part because now, you know, the Nick roster as, you know, as we've seen, it's, you know, it's still not a great team. It's still a 30-33 to 33 win team as it stands. You know, we don't really have, you know, a level one superstar on the team. I mean, we have Mitchell Robinson, who's, 
who we love, of course, and we have R.J. Barrett, who hopefully will make strides. He's also, as we know, his, his work ethic is is commendable. And we've added Opie Toppin. We've added Emmanuel Quickly. Um, whether we keep guys like Bobby Portis around, you know, whether we trade you know, some of our other low-level talent, we'll see. We have a lot of question marks. Now the question is, do we get a Fred Van Vliet? Do we get another point guard? You know, what other trade options are out there? You know, this is, this is going to be phase two because the season's going to start, you know, in about a month. Training camp opens right at the beginning of December. So as far as constructing a roster, the Knicks are way behind most of the teams, even in the Eastern Conference, as bad as the East usually is. Um, we're way behind most teams. And if you look at our roster, we're, you know, if we win 30 to 33 games, and obviously this is a shortened season, so it may turn out to be 28 games. You know, I'm still not seeing a real, you know, wonderful team that they're going to field. But so far, you know, if you're looking at it objectively, what Leon Rose and Brain Trust tried to do, I think they made the Knicks better. I can't say that they, you know, we didn't take any projects. We didn't choose any uncertainty. I, I think we, we went with familiarity and with provable results. Because I think an Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly are, you know, as far as this draft is concerned, you know, proven quantities. Players who know how to shoot and score. And Emmanuel Quickly has more... Um, more upside than, than Obi in terms of, you know, he's a little bit younger and he has um, some room to grow. I think one of the things that Emmanuel quickly has to get better, of course, is finishing. He has a little uh, floater or teardrop that he uses when he gets in the paint because his shooting is, you know, that's his primary function. But I think in the NBA, he's going to face better defenders. He's not going to be open as much, even though he has that ability. So he's going to have to be able to break down a defense. Because if he doesn't, you know, then he, he's one of a million players the Knicks have had all these years who will you know, chuck, shots, chuck shots up from the perimeter. And you know, if they go in great, and if they don't, then you know, they're in trouble. So he's, you know, his shooting skill will be complemented by a better, um, more efficient offensive game, you know, the ability to drive and score and finish. So he certainly has the free throw uh, percentage, I think 92%, which is pretty awesome. So if, if he can combine that, you know, that free throw percentage with, you know, a better offensive game and get to the line more, you know, that helps the Knicks. So anyway, here we are, post-draft day one, and I think, I think you give the Knicks a grade of a B, you know, maybe even a B plus. I mean, it's impossible to give them an A because I think you know they're they're still missing you know that point guard. You know, they're missing that you know that real transformative figure. But maybe it wasn't in this draft. Maybe they, you know, maybe they fall within the range of all the other teams that picked last night. But you know, as far as what they missed out on, you know, I mean, Halliburton certainly had the highest. Um, you know rating for a point guard that was available at that spot. And Halliburton is solid. You know, I'm not a big fan of his shooting mechanics, but as we've seen, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's going to be a problem. But, you know, the Knicks, 
had other players that they could have picked, but who they picked fit needs. You know, we have better shooting now, and we can spread the floor a little bit better. You know, a lot of a lot of NBA and a lot of Knicks fans will look at the fact that we didn't get the uh, the three and D wing, which is the elite uh, position that seems to take a hold over the whole NBA. So we didn't find that in this in this draft. But you know, Toppin is an explosive athlete, and you know, I think that'll make a difference too. So for this edition of the draft for the Knicks. Uh, some things to look forward to and some things to watch. And now we'll see how they handle free agency and any trades. And, you know, if, if you saw one thing is that the Knicks definitely focused on shooting. And I think that makes a big difference. Anyway, this is Alan Feller. This is 1973, a New York Knicks podcast. And I'm glad you got to spend some time. Take care.